0: He said, how are you doing, sir? Oh, we're off to a great start today. I'm great, man. How about you? I'm doing great. I saw a movie for the first time and yeah. I loved it. Uh-huh. It's, it's, it was, it's very, this film was very interesting, and that's why I'm excited we're talking about it because there was a lot of mixed reviews of it. Critically, yeah. it actually got a lot of acclaim, but from more like, I guess, what you might call action film pundits or critics, it kind of got some harsh reviews, And that's why I'm excited for both of us to talk about it because we have very eclectic tastes in uh, not only cinema in general, but uh, especially martial arts cinema. So I think we're two good individuals to tackle this particular film. Uh, And I apologize about that beeping in the background, that is bacon in the microwave. Uh, (laughs) But (laughs) Jessica's cooking herself uh, lunch right now. So uh, any new news with you? Uh, you know
1: what? I'm getting settled into the new apartment. Uh, got a couch this week and I have to tell you it's, it's improved the viewing of movies with a couch. Oh,
0: yeah. yeah. You yeah. were doing
1: it. Were you doing it like Japanese style, sitting on the floor type thing? Before, it, sitting on the floor, uh, and then like table chairs and then an air mattress, but you uh-huh. know, it's not the same.
0: Yeah. Not the same. Uh, how was your Thanksgiving holiday? It was great. How was yours? It was fantastic. So I had been planning for Thanksgiving for like three weeks in advance, training super hard. You know, I was adjusting my diet literally in preparation of just gorging myself uh, on Thanksgiving day. So that all went well. But the plan was I was going to be having like two big dinners, Thursday, Thanksgiving, and then Saturday, another kind of family one, you know, smaller gatherings type thing. And then so I was prepared for that. I was like, all right, I'll be ready. You know, I'm working out twice Thanksgiving morning. And then I've been preparing for like three weeks. And then the next day will be a detox day where I train really hard. And then I'll have that other day. and I'll be fine. Well, instead I ended up just gorging myself every day, Thanksgiving, the day after <laughs> Thanksgiving, Saturday as well. And then Sunday, since we had so many leftovers, I was just like, forget about it. I'm going all in. So, uh, Monday and Tuesday, I was very much like getting back on track. And then yesterday mm-hmm. we, uh, helped our uh, parents set up the Christmas decorations, uh, at their house I said that weird. I said decorations, mm-hmm. decorations. And then uh, you know, it took like four or five hours, and finally they decided to treat us to cocktails and Chinese food. And so actually up here, we have a really good Chinese restaurant. It was their first time eating it because it's the one up the hill, but uh it's it's actually a mix between kind of ABC Chinese food and real authentic Chinese. Cause the first time I went in there, I heard everyone speaking Mandarin and I was like, oh. And I'm like, well, let's test this out. And then when I started talking to him in Mandarin, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, you guys are the real deal. And they have some authentic dishes that most American Chinese restaurants don't have, such as my favorite, tomato fried eggs. Uh, And so uh, it's a very simple one. But so we gorged ourselves on that. Like, and I mean, gorged ourselves. So I had to wake up extra early this morning, unplanned and go run five miles and then do like 15 minutes of shadow boxing. Then I just finished my, actual workout for the day. And then I'm going to ride the recumbent bike later and do yoga just to get myself back on track. That sounds good. The food part especially sounds good. Oh yeah, it was, it was worth it. I'm like, you know what? I got to train like a beast tomorrow, but I'm going all in. So, uh, that's how I've been. Uh, so yeah, let's get to it. Do you have any, uh, lightning fire questions today?
1: You know what? Uh, because this, this genre is so like the films from this country are so new to me, except for a few exploited films. I was going to ask some, like some like cheap B movie exploited film questions for you, but I decided it might be better. I don't want to like do a disservice to this film because this is, this is a bonafide film entry, but I was going to ask you like best hairstyles, best villains of movies shot in the Philippines. But uh, I think the answers would be pretty straightforward. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And so for listeners that might not know, there was a period of time when, especially I'd say eh, starting in the mid 80s mm-hmm. uh, to the early 90s, there was a lot of uh, exploitive, not even necessarily exploitive, just B action movies, especially those of Roger Corman. Yeah. Uh, shot in the Philippines and Thailand, but especially the Philippines. I mean, the first two uh, Blood Fist films were shot in the mm-hmm. Philippines. Uh, Gary Daniels, like first couple, were shot in the Philippines because a Mm -hmm. lot of these guys actually be brought over by uh, like Filipino producers and directors and stuff to make these films. Other times, it was like you know Don the Dragon Wilson was uh, under contract with (laughs) uh, Roger Corman, and so they shot those movies over there. But I know uh, other ones like uh, Jerry Trimble, for example. He's talked about uh, this is world kickboxing champion Jerry Trimble. Uh, he was brought over there, I think specifically by, uh, one of the directors, uh, he did a great one I love called Live by the Fist that has George Takai in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the director is Sirio Santiago, I think is his name. And so I know, I think he was actually brought over there to do a couple. Uh, I know like Dale Paul Cook shot some over there too. There's some other great ones in Thailand, like a favorite of ours, which is, has a few different titles. One of them being Rage with Richard Norton. Uh, mm-hmm. which is also which actually isn't the one i had it as i had it as blood fight yeah was the copy I, 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 had. I had that one that one is great
1: yeah like we can go off the rails and talk about that film just for a second but like for me one of the best fight sequences that came out of that like subgenre of films
0: happens with richard Norton in the in the weight gym yep in the dojo uh, right it's so good it's it's a precursor to like kind of an mma fight there is some I mean, there's some kind of hokey fights in there, especially when he's fighting non-martial artists. He always looks fantastic. But there's that fight and the fight with Chuck Jeffries. Uh, But we We can talk about that in a different thing. So in other words, a lot of action movies shot in the Philippines. But the thing is, and it's really hard to find information on it, uh, there actually was like a whole subgenre of native Filipino action cinema that Mm -hmm. I believe started in the 70s, went through the 80s, all the way up kind of till the 90s until it died out. Obviously, nothing big budget, very local because I've heard about it talked about it in podcasts, particularly by Sonny Sison, the fight choreographer of this film. Yes. And we'll talk about who we'll get to later, but uh, there's not a whole, even if you try like YouTubing Filipino action cinema, there's no Wikipedia page for it. There's there's not a whole lot. So that, that'd be something interesting to explore, but that's also kind of why we don't have rapid fire questions to talk about. So let's go ahead and address the actual film we're discussing, which is the 2018 Eric Mati film, by Bust. So uh, this is your first time watching it. Yep. I have seen it now, I've watched it three or four times. I actually had the uh, pleasure of going to see it in theaters when it came out because it got a limited release in AMC theaters. Uh, Mm -hmm. It played only at the one in Burbank. And for people that don't know, uh, for the LA area, Most of the like the big Asian films, uh, and that includes Bollywood, uh, you know, Chinese, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Thailand, etc., etc., Philippines in this case, they will get releases. Uh, it's usually the AMC theaters that handle Mm -hmm. these, and they usually play in areas where there's uh, an ethnic population uh, of that particular uh, country. So, for example the AMC theater in Monterey park, which is where a uh, majority of the mainland Chinese population lives. They'll get all like the big uh, Kung Fu movies. For example, I went yeah. to, a, to the fat dragon there, obviously Yit man 4 had a bigger release nationwide, but it played there. Uh, and uh, you know, I got to see fury, the Vietnamese film there. And that one also played heavily in the orange County area in the AMC mm-hmm. theaters. But this one was only playing in Burbank. I, I took a group of guys I had at that time uh, called the uh, the martial arts gentleman that was like our <laughs> texting uh, group, and so we all went to go see it. Uh, and very mixed reviews of it afterwards. Some of us loved it. Some of us were like, "That was terrible." But uh, I I highly enjoyed it. But I'm glad it came on Netflix like a few months later because I had the chance to rewatch it because it, there's it's it's an intense film. It's very. Uh, I mean, there's a lot going on and there's a lot to digest yeah. and take in your first time watching it. And unlike a lot of the films we talk about, it, it's actually very uh, political and reflexive of real life events going on. Uh, and it's got a commentary that most of these kind of films don't really even address. And or if they do, they might use the setting as just a backdrop to drive the action. Whereas this one was it was a political statement for sure. And the more you actually research on the director, Eric Mahdi, you understand why. But real quick, what were your initial thoughts on it uh, with your first viewing? So, uh, I just love the grittiness of it,
1: and so my first viewing, I walked, I as I'm walking through the film, I'm, I'm appreciating the grittiness. I'm appreciating the story, and, and for me, like anytime you want to throw in something political and have it work in a natural way, which it does in this film, uh, I get hooked. I hate it when it's, I hate it when it's like heavy-handed, and it, but like when you know spoiler alert near the end where she's talking with uh biggie boss or boss mm-hmm. biggie, you know, he basically lays out how the, the police and yep. the drug dealers are in business together. And they're essentially, they might be on opposite sides, but they, they need each other to continue to generate funds. Uh, and I mean, that, that's one of the, you know, it's pretty a straightforward statement. I mean, I think, Anyway, sort of understands that in some ways, but the way it's articulated in the film, it's very, uh, it's very much, uh, uh, it just resonated with me. But as far as like the film goes, it, it, I, I had feelings, I was trying to equate, I, I usually don't like comparisons, but I was trying to compare this to other films I've seen. And there's some areas where there's no, no comparison available. And then mm-hmm. there are areas where I'm like, wow, it's a no holes barred film. This is heading in the direction of righting wrongs, where, as we know, all the characters disappear by the end of the film. It, at least in the one version, it's heading in that direction. They, I, they disappear
0: both physically, in a sense, with you know whether they're alive or not, but also morally. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so this this is like this is uh, heading in that
1: direction. I really like that, where where they were letting the writers uh, take it there. Yeah. And it didn't seem like there was a production, like a, a big studio overhead saying, OK, we need some clear cut good guys. We need some clear cut bad guys. We need every, we need this many characters to live, this many characters to, you know, can die. Most definitely. Uh, and Eric Motti actually wrote the film as well. Yes, I saw that. So I, and I, I haven't I haven't I was looking up his, uh a. Uh, this filmography and I haven't seen anything else that he's done,
0: but it looks like he's a cross genre kind of guy. He goes well, genre he does, to genre. He does a lot of thrillers. It seems that yeah. the, the, uh, the overlapping genre or character trait is they're like neo-noir type thrillers, whether it's like an action film. Like I know he did on the job in 2013, yeah. which like once again, described as a neo-noir action uh, thriller. And then he did like honor thy father, which I think is more of a neo-noir horror film you know thriller. Really, uh, like his films always have this intense and i'd imagine obviously we haven't seen these two but probably underlying uh political themes and messages uh reflects of what is going on and obviously for maybe listeners that don't know there is definitely a lot going on in the philippines in the sense of the war on drugs especially yeah. since the current president uh rodrigo Duarte, uh, uh came into office On June 30th, 2016. And it was literally on July 1st, 2016, that he pretty much initiated the Philippine drug war, which he straight up said he encouraged citizens to uh, kill and murder any drug users or drug lords. And they were going to do an all out war. And at first, he actually had a lot of support from uh, countries, including our own uh, president at that time, Donald Trump. A lot of people were like, yeah, you know, take it to him, blah, blah. But uh, four years later, it's been shown they've done studies, and even he has now admitted it was a bad idea. Pretty much, they only stopped like 1% of the drug trade. And really, it was just uh, kind of a not so well thought out plan. and a lot of corruption involved. There was a lot of unnecessary killing, apparently, supposedly, uh, a lot of police corruption with planting of drugs and weapons and this and that, which this film addresses. So, and Eric Mati is a, uh, he's uh, very outspoken against Mm -hmm. the president and especially certain initiatives he has done. Uh, And obviously he's actually gotten a lot of flack for speaking out against uh, Rodrigo's supporters. uh, And so this is obviously his piece that uh, he feels, I mean, it's his way of saying how, hey, this is a terrible thing we've done and I am going to protest against it by making this movie. Yeah, and I'm sure the movie, I don't know what the box office was
1: in the Philippines for this film, but I'm sure it did well enough and that, that helps his, you know, his position. And, you know, it's, it, action is always a great way to pull people in as well, even the people who might not support a particular genre, uh, you know, uh, idea. Like, I think we saw that with Michael Bay's 13 hours, it brought in a box office, even though it is kind of controversial and was, was, you know, some people used it for political means and, and whatnot, but it's like the, Action films can be used for political means uh, and to get a statement across about a particular political leader or political movement at that time. And this film clearly does that.
0: Yeah. Unfortunately, it did not do very well in the local box office. Uh, okay. Nor did uh, one of the big Filipino follow ups, Maria. Simply, and Sonny Sison, once again, bringing him up, uh, he spoke about it in a podcast or an interview where pretty much it's hard to get that local box office because. Uh, I I think it was similar even sometimes in China where it's like they want to see the big budget superhero movies and stuff. And a lot of times the local fair just doesn't do as well in the cinemas. And I think also in the Philippines, they have some sort of weird thing. Like this could be completely off, but like if it doesn't make a certain amount of money in a certain time, it gets pulled uh, from theaters and distribution. So, but box office numbers aside, and you kind of mentioned this before, I do like that it did not feel like they were restricted in any way or had Mm -hmm. studio interference this was eric Madi's piece on the philippine drug war how ineffective it's been how corrupt it is and how uh destructive it has been towards the filipino citizens and society and uh it's funny because when they first initiated the philippine drug war the national police chief uh stated the policy was aimed at, and I quote, the neutralization of illegal drug personalities nationwide. And obviously that did not work. And this film kind of talks about how rather than uh, stop the drug trade, it almost made it more abundant due to the corruption. And it's just like any sort of event. Uh, Even like right now, some people might say that people are exploiting the whole COVID outbreak in one way or another, right? But if there's an opportunity for people to exploit uh, a big global event, or in this case, a national event, they're gonna do it. And in this case, the implication is that they don't wanna stop the drug trade because there's so much money in it that you know corrupt individuals, both within the government and the police department, they don't wanna lose making that extra money. So that's the implication of this film. And so I guess we should talk about kind of the basic plot element first. Uh, Pretty much a group of elite policemen. And so once again, the plot, the actual setup is nothing unique or original. In fact, that is one critique It got is kind of, it is derivative of other action films, including the raid. It has a very similar setup to the raid. Mm -hmm. So it's this elite group of police officers that are uh, pretty much, whereas in the raid, they're just trying to bust this, uh, Drug pen's lair. In this case, they are kind of going undercover. They have a snitch that they want to go in, you know, get and capture this drug lord Biggie. And uh, things start to go awry when the initial meeting is changed to kind of a slums area uh, in the Philippines uh, in Manila. So they they start off in a local kind of city center, then they're forced to go into this slum territory that's controlled by the drug Lord and his henchmen. And uh, they go inside, it ends up, it's a whole setup, uh, similar to the raid, just like the raid actually, Mm -hmm. uh, due to the fact that, you know, one of the leaders is actually uh, corrupt. He is a Judas, as they call him, Uh, (laughs) just like the raid. And in this case, they're trapped inside and can't get out because they use jammers, so they can't get to the outside. They can't call for help. Uh, There's no backup like the raid. Uh, and so, but whereas the plot for the raid was just a setup for the action, this one feels like an actual developed plot. It is, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying? Like the difference, it's like the raid's like, okay, we've got it. We're all set up. Let's start fighting. Whereas this one, it's like, you know, the plot kind of builds. And so within this group of, uh, elite policemen, like SWAT team units, we have our protagonist, uh, who's played by, uh, oh my gosh, I'm dropping a blank Ann Curtis, I believe that's her name.
1: Yes. Yeah. And she
0: plays uh, Nina. S- Nina uh, that's her name. Wait, no, who does she play? Her character is Nina. Is Nina. Uh, Nina Manigan. Manigan yeah, is what Nina they call Man- yeah. The film. Yeah. So, uh, and her backstory is she had been in a previous unit where everyone got killed, except her in a mission just like this, that we find out was because the same guy like was in charge, who is one of the Judas, the corrupt guy. So it's her... Uh, Her team and then her kind of main sidekick is played by Brandon Vera, Mm -hmm. uh, who's just really badass in this film. And so uh, this team goes in, they get captured, they start dying one by one, they start figuring out the corruption, they have to fight their way out. But once again, unlike the Ray, which is just a setup for these beautiful action pieces, this is more of the action helps drive the story in a sense, as opposed to the action being the centerpiece of the film. Yeah. Would you agree? I would completely agree.
1: Yeah. Uh, I think think if, I mean, the one thing we haven't talked about yet is the action. I think there's some great setup pieces and the execution, you know, you can tell when in the fight sequences, it might not be as great as they could have been. Uh, at one point, you know, I, I'm not trying to make, you know, too light of it, but at one point when they're in the town and they're in, in the maze and they're trying to get out, I'm like, uh, Kurt Thomas kind of did this in Jim Cotta and a little better, <laughs> like, where's the pummel? where's yeah. the pommel horse in the middle of town, except for, uh, uh, that fight sequence where Vega, where Vega, you know, meets his demise. I mean, that is some really good work in that, right. in that, that's, that, that's, that's probably that's the best one. Yeah. Uh, It's fantastic. And, and and again, it's not just Vera. So yeah, it's not just, it's not just the, the fight sequence, uh, that, that compels that it's, I mean, just so there's, there's actual like, uh, concern. I mean, and, and the way they foreshadow, I mean, you have to know that he's going to end up getting drowned in the sewage, but, uh, how he fights through that sequence. I mean, that's one of the most dramatic sequences in the film and, I was captivated
0: i actually re i watched that sequence twice just to like go over yeah. it it's funny you should say that i was going to and then this morning uh because i had to do that second workout i didn't have time but <laughs> uh a real quick thing we should talk about our two main stars ann curtis and brandon vera so they're yeah. both uh uh half filipino uh half so she was born in australia uh but then when she was about 12 years old uh moved back to the philippines started a modeling and kind of acting career and then uh, so I think kind of like a child actor type thing. And then now she's uh, done a lot of television acting. She's done some movies. She's a host of a variety show, like a daily variety mm-hmm. show. She's a VJ. So she's very well known. Brandon Vera is actually a very well-established uh, MMA fighter and kickboxer. Uh, a former uh, WEC heavyweight champion, which was a league that was bought by the UFC. And then he fought in the UFC and he was a top contender. Uh Had some... uh well-known fights against some very well-known opponents. Uh, I mean, he fought an early fight against John Jones lost as does everybody, but you know, <laughs> and he had some uh, great victories as well. Uh, but then he moved to the Philippines in 2016 and he's actually the current, uh, one championship heavyweight mm-hmm. champion, uh, which is technically, I think the biggest MMA league in the world, just because of they have the whole Asian market, but yeah. I'd say it's like the top competitor to the UFC. <laughs> now, uh, he was also a, uh, Uh, kickboxing champion from what i recall so i mean he has a very very legitimate real martial arts background and as we know that even though this is his first acting role that transitions well in my opinion i'm one of those people that believes real fighters transition transition well to the screen uh no matter what just because they have that authenticity and that aura to them and i do know that ann curtis trained for a long time before this like in the filipino martial arts and so forth uh, for at least a few months. Uh, she didn't really get much training time with Sonny Seesaw like really only a few days before they went mm-hmm. in there to uh, film the fight scenes. But Brandon Vera, he's huge for one. He's ginormous, which just lends to his character. And it, it just, you believe how like nearly invincible this guy is. But it's funny, this is actually one of the first ones I wrote a little review for on Instagram when I saw it, you know, <laughs> years ago. And I haven't read this since. So I'm gonna read it out to you right now and we'll see like what I w- how I felt. Okay, so this past weekend, the Kung Fu Gentleman, and I went to see the new Filipino action movie, By Bus. Gritty, uncomfortably claustrophobic, and excessively violent. It was a melee of nonstop bullets, knives, and anything else that could be used as a weapon. Unlike some of its contemporary counterparts, such as the raid and jailbreak, this film took a much more real-world approach to the action scenes, which gave them a less polished look, but in turn created a more frantic, frenetic feel. As the film progresses, though, the action evolves and the fights get a more cinematic but still extremely hard-hitting style of choreography, featuring some slick displays of Filipino martial arts. When the FMA is showcased, Filipino martial arts, It is quite riveting and sometimes cringeworthy as you see the ultra violent applications of Filipino knife fighting. If excessive stabbing, slashing, and ligament cutting makes you uncomfortable, then this is definitely not the movie for you. The general consensus amongst our group was that without a doubt, the best part of the movie was Brandon Vera. His character of Rico was an absolute badass, a throwback to the classic action heroes of the 1980s. He is a literal giant amongst men, An indestructible powerhouse who cannot be killed no matter how many times he is shot, stabbed, clubbed, punched, kicked, electrocuted, etc. The best part of it is Vera pulls off the role like a true veteran of the screen, making it completely convincing that he is practically invincible. The dark, savage, and disturbing underworld which director Eric Matty creates makes the viewer believe that these policemen are stepping into an actual hellhole from which there is no escape. A hyperkinetic, cataclysmic, adrenaline fueled thrill ride, which once it gets going hardly slows down for even a second. And, and this was my prediction By Bus is definitely going to put Filipino cinema back on the map. I look forward to this crew's future products and hopefully more Filipino martial arts on the big screen. It. And so the interesting part is re watching <laughs> it, I think the exact same thing. And I even thought to myself, huh? I wonder if my first time watching it, I analyzed how the fights actually got better and more cinematic and polished as it went. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, I obviously did. The best part was Brandon Vera actually wrote on uh, my thing. And he said, thank you <laughs> for the fine words. You are too awesome. And I was like, yeah. But I still feel the exact same way. And the thing is, it's true. Like the first three fight scenes, I'm not going to call them bad. But they're like, they're, they're not – they're – They're they're going for that more realistic thing, but they're even that, they're kind of like, they're very almost choppy. But I have two reasons for this. Let me give you my reasons. First of all, as I said, the fights, whether it was an artistic choice or just the way it happens, each one gets progressively better until we get to that final one you're talking about, like Brandon Vera's Kali sequence, which is only like 15 seconds. Fucking brilliant! It's so well-filmed and awesome when he's in the sewage, and bam, bam, with the sticks. And he's not even a colleague practitioner by trade, but he's just so good. Like, uh, uh, and he's just knocking the shit out of these guys. Uh, but either which way, uh, the other, my theory as to why is, as we kind of mentioned before, as they go, members of the team start dying off, right? And mm-hmm. so therefore, you have to remember, it starts off as a big team. And like, so the first few fight scenes, like everyone's fighting. <laughs> And these aren't martial artists by trade necessarily, these are actors. So for our fight choreographer, Sonny Sison, to try to have to choreograph all these people, for all we know, some of them don't even have any training, you know, and make the fight choreography work for all of them with all this going on, that's a lot. So it's understandable, and especially in this kind of, the set they were on, this wasn't in a studio, it looked like they built it somewhere, or it's a real like, I don't know for lack of a better word, like Lombario, you know, like a ghetto almost. Uh, and then, so as they start dying off and there's more time to focus on our main two protagonists, the fight scenes get slicker, better. Uh, and then obviously we have I, the last three are the best where we have what would be the, uh, the motorcycle assassin fight scene is where it really turns yeah. the, page. Yeah. I, the fight scene with Brandon Vera, where he's fighting kind of the Taekwondo kicker type guy. Uh, that's, that's where we get our first kind of more like cinematic thing because this guy's throwing like spinning kicks crescent kicks, all this, but it works, right? And it still has that real world feel. The the only thing I would have done differently is the sound effects, because they were going for that really real life sound effect where sometimes there is no sound. And that, if they would have just added a little more like cinematic flair to that, I think it could have really accentuated some of the sequences, but that's okay because that fight sequence works really well. And because Ann Curtis, where she's fighting the other motorcycle assassin, that's some great work right there. Then transition into that long take, mm-hmm. which is really good. Her long take where she's going up and down and that's done really well, yeah. uh, especially for her not being a martial artist by trade. Then we get to like, you know, Brandon Berry's, Vera's finale when he's in the sewage and he's fighting all the guys even before uh, the Kali sequence. I mean, even if it's just the most basic, like punching and elbowing and headbutts and knees, yeah. he brings a sense of authenticity because he's a real life MMA champion. Yeah, his his, his strikes—it's—it's
1: it's like something that the the way Petey demonstrates, uh, Peter Sugrue Cunningham demonstrates in class, like just coming down. It, it it's yep. it, it cinematically was working, but it also was working. Uh, and as far as the long take, I noticed like when I when I was first, I, I also rewatched that sequence where Ann and Curtis is, is sort of running from the people, and like the strikes are getting a little more uh, tired. It made total sense because she's running, she's fatigued. And I mean, even some of the people who were hitting there, you just heard the slaps. And actually it was one of my keynotes was uh, the sound editing was so uniquely different. And we talked about that last week in last week's episode Mm -hmm. about how, what set college kickboxers apart was not just the choreography, but also the sound editing. It sounded like it was a Hong Kong film. And this definitely sounded absolutely unique uh, from other martial art films because it was going for that gritty, realistic sound. And I agree with you. There are times where there was, there was almost silence in the fights, which can be, uh, which can add tension cinematically, but you kind of wanted to hear a little more of, of, uh, the imaginative power that's going into some of the kicks that are being thrown. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I it, it's a great point because a, as, as the characters move on, and it's just two of them. There obviously is going to be more space. So more space, you know, even if all the actors knew how to fight, there is this, uh, you are in even more confined space, a little less room for movement. And uh, I, uh, I could imagine it being a little difficult to choreograph for, for the folks who, who are just there only as actors. And those are the ones who were kind of picked off first.
0: Yeah. And uh, like, for example, one of the first sequences where it's finally just kind of the two of them on their own uh, and Curtis and Brandon Vera when they, uh, they're about to send down that like cart full of Molotov cocktails you know, Brandon Barrett tries to draw him out one way. And then, so this is kind of Ann Curse's first sequence of fighting like solo. And that's where we get some real cool, intricate Filipino close range, like stabbing and stuff. And so I, I think it's a very unfair uh, criticism that some people gave the fights in this. Uh, you know, uh, like I was reading some of the kind of well-established uh, critics within action cinema and I don't agree. And uh, the reason being is I believe what Sonny Sison did here, he's he's trying to revitalize like Filipino action cinema. He's another one that has a long story career working in American cinema and Mm -hmm. he's a lifelong uh, dancer, martial artist, performer, and he's uh, done stunt work forever. But the thing you have to think about also is he's really trying to, I mean, he has a diverse martial arts background, but he's specifically focusing on the Filipino martial arts now. And he's kind of, the the Filipino martial arts have been used throughout cinema for a long time. I think, you know, famously in the early 2000s, The Born Identity, the first one really focused on that. There was the film The Hunted with Tommy Lee Jones and Benicio Del Toro. And like that one did it brilliantly. The first, uh, Born Identity did it brilliantly. But, you know, these are few cases uh, of, few and far between are the cases, excuse me. But, so what you have to do here when you really want to focus on creating choreography based around a martial arts system, as we know, you almost have to deconstruct it and reverse engineer it when you want to start putting it on screen. So what I mean by that is the fact of the matter is Filipino martial arts is extremely short movements, close range combat. Yes, with some of the training, we have the bigger stick movements, but the actual application is very blah, 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 blah right? You know, it's in it, on screen. the the common misconception before was always, oh, bigger movements like the John Wayne punch, which is why, you know, fight scenes uh, in Western cinema, aside from the James Bond films, were like way behind uh, Asian cinema in a sense, because what, for example, let's look at what we like to call the Hong Kong choreography of the 1980s. It's Mm. fast, close range, intricate, it captures that feel of real kickboxing. Now, is it necessarily the real life effective techniques no not always when you have a performer like let's say billy chow a real champion doing it or you know benny the jet uh it's going to have that level of authenticity but like what someone like samuel hung did was all right they're like okay we have to take this sport now we have to figure out how we're going to break it down and apply it on screen to still make it fast hard-hitting and intricate but have the movements be visible to our viewers you know you don't want it to be like just straight up too close guard and so forth. And so kind of with the Filipino martial arts here, especially with like these longer takes and these wider shots really trying to lit the, as opposed to something like the born identity, a lot of quick cuts, you know, it's, it's going to take some, uh, time to break it down and make it happen. And so I feel like as this first outing for doing that, it was really good. And I think a good example of how, uh, of Sunny Season's brilliant choreography is actually his next movie he did, Maria, which is also on Netflix. And have yep. you watched it? Yeah. Okay, so that one, I feel like the the Filipino martial arts are getting much more of that cinematic type feel. But it was the same thing with Marantao, the first one of uh, you know uh, that Gareth Evans did with the Raid guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Was so Marantao was their first one. So the difference in Marantao. Uh, was really good. But obviously, this was their first time doing the sea lot. And then by the time they got to the next film, The Raid, it was already a step above, right? Then The Raid 2. Yeah. And so this is the same example. Like By Bust was his first big like piece for this. Uh, and on top of that, it's in a film that's got a plot and a structure that's so unique to anything else, not just a straight martial arts film. And so the fact that he was able to do what he did with it, I think is awesome. And then his next film was much more of a straight action movie. And then you see the evolvement. So his next movie is just going to get better and better. And uh, I think that's really exciting for Filipino martial arts. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I actually, I didn't, I didn't, when I was
1: watching um By Bust, Mm-hmm. until after the film when I was checking out the choreographer and realizing it had been the season, the same choreographer. And I think did, did, um, yeah, I think he used the same, uh, coast on choreographer, which is Mario Eugenio. Okay. Mario Adelan. So yeah. yeah, I was just, I mean, I was just, I think it's the same, uh, co choreographer. He, he worked on Maria as well, 24 seven and uh, a few other films, but his core, his resume, I mean, is like, uh, you know, it, 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 it would looking up against season. It looks more like he's, he's the protege. Uh, and what season's bringing over is, I i, I mean, he's also working on like American action television as well, which is a great like workshop, particularly like, The amount of time, the amount of time you have to turn it around—it's almost like working on an independent film or an old B, B movie like production schedule. We only have one week to to put out a product, and then kind of taking that Western, like camera work and editing and fast-paced working, and then already the films that are being released—I would presume that these films are shot on a super tight time frame as well. So he's like taking, he's taking the two and putting them together, and you can see how the evolution is occurring from Bybus to Maria when it comes to the action sequences. I mean, Maria, and that, the way they shoot Maria, it's just a little, sometimes the camera angles are a little lower, they're a little wider. There's, there's a little more, uh, I don't want to say born to them because I mean, I think my issue with born and some other films of that time and from being released from America is like the quick cuts are kind of like cheating sometimes. Yeah. You don't um,
0: get to see the full execution of the Filipino yeah which no. is something that Sonny Seeson is doing with his choreography. Exactly. And so real quick, I have some of, uh, because I think we should reference some of like the the, the reviews that were critical of the action choreography. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for example, the one the Daily Tribune said, speedy editing and the shaky cam prevent you from fully enjoying the gore, which I disagree with. I didn't really feel there was a whole lot of shaky cam. I thought there was a lot of great handheld stuff, but it wasn't yeah. shaky cam. Uh, and I I really didn't think there was a whole lot of speedy editing. The editing got a little more faster and intricate as the fights progressed, but I I disagree with that one. Uh, Film School Rejects said the action was surprisingly dull and repetitive and won't impress in their (laughs) choreography, but worse, they disappoint in their execution. So uh, I I feel some of the beginning ones, as I do agree, like some of the first, it was a little more dull, a little more repetitive, but as I said, I was, I was never bored, uh, yeah. but, and I feel like the, the fights evolved as the film went and I liked that. And I thought that was cool and, uh, an interesting choice. Now, as I said, what, whether that was an artistic choice or maybe just, you know, post-production editing, which who knows who was in control of, but, uh, Let's see here, and then let's see. Uh, oh, that same one said it, the action. The film was too long, too sloppy, and underwhelming. I 100% disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> I was never underwhelmed with the movie. Uh, and then Screen Awkward uh, said uh, it was awkward and clumsy action choreography, which uh, I I feel. Once again, the first few uh, sequences may have been... See, I don't think it was awkward. I think it was uncomfortable, and that was on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so I just... Obviously, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but I disagree with uh, the criticism... I disagree with the criticism that these particular writers stated about the fight scenes.
1: Yeah, I mean, in, in many ways, uh, it it's... It is like an independent action film, mm-hmm. and probably shot on a tighter time frame with the with the goal in mind of being able to actually showcase the FMA mm-hmm. on screen properly. So, if you put all that together, it's not going to look like the knife fight sequence between Steven Seagal and Tommy Lee Jones in. Under siege, which is a pretty good knife fight scene, but at the same time, there are a lot of edits and there's a lot of sound uh, mm-hmm. that helps heighten those sequences, uh, helps heighten that sequence. So if you're trying to, to actually portray, uh, portray something as culturally pure as you, as you possibly can and without the edits and without all the sound editing to, to supplement what you're seeing visually, you're going to end up with something that might at times seem awkward. Real life is awkward, and or uncomfortable. That's that. I mean that. This is an uncomfortable situation. They're shooting in a very tight lo- location. It would be great to know if that was something that was fabricated for them, or if they were actually shooting at on site. Uh, so, um, I mean, I, I understand the critiques. I mean, like there are a few sequences where. I think ann curtis gets down and like throws a kick while she's on top and people are coming up and it, it looks it doesn't look like it's uh, uh sam will hunger you and B out kicking yeah. but i mean not yeah. everyone's going to look that way and mm-hmm. it doesn't look like in the grappling segments it doesn't look like liam neeson in the taken but liam neeson doesn't look like that because that's editing and sound again and it's camera work again yeah so yeah. when you know if if we're actually looking at Uh, someone trying to be as authentic and organic as possible. That's what you're going to get with this film. And you have to watch the trajectory and, you know, maybe sometimes people have a bad day and maybe uh, when they sit down to watch a film like this, and if you're having a bad day, maybe you just don't, you're not feeling it. Yeah. Uh, Or maybe they that that, that happens. Expecting something else. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe they went in expecting something at the caliber of the raid, Right. Uh, And you know, that's, who wouldn't want to go in, but that that's the thing. Like the first time you saw the raid or anybody saw the raid, nobody was expecting that. Yeah. It's like the first time you see prodigal son or, uh, or pedicab driver, nobody's expecting that. And then you end up being surprised. So if you go in with these expectations of, of, of mid career master artist filmmaker, uh, from the get go, you're there's a chance you're going to be let down a little bit but if you go in with open eyes i think you're going to walk away having seen a good film that has a nice that has a nice complicated message a dirty message not not that the message is not that the film is dirty but like a message of like how dirty this whole like drug war industry is in the philippines then then you're going to be in for a good film and you're going to come away with some action sequences that you know are definitely extremely pleasing particularly uh
0: particularly the work with uh, Brandon Vera in the, in the, in the sewage area. And I'm glad they did take that unique approach because even for me, you know, I love Marantau. I love the raid. I love the raid too. But the, the Indonesian action films now are starting to get a little repetitive, you know, the choreography, that style, and it's starting to get, nobody's doing anything kind of new with it. And even like some other, uh, Cinema, for example, there was a new film that just got put on Netflix. I think it was this year, it came out last year though. It's a Malaysian martial arts film called Wira, W-I-R-A, I I might be pronouncing it uh, wrong. And I watched it and it's good, it's entertaining, but the whole time like, man, this just feels like a raid movie. And there was a few sequences where they did some more like, they're supposed to be like MMA fights. And it kind of had that feel of more of like Hong Kong uh, kickboxing choreography. And those were the ones I liked the best. But the main action sequences were very, I've used this word a lot today, derivative of the, like, Iko UAS and his team's choreography. And sure, I was entertained, but, like, I hardly remember the movie now. Whereas, by Bust, man, that's stuck in my memory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After I saw that, and then even re-watching it, I still remembered a lot of that. And obviously, as I said, that review I wrote two years ago is spot-on to my notes and thoughts that I thought when re-watching it. You, you know, uh, like I, I know when we talk about straight-to-video martial
1: art movies, I I usually reference the same people. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and reference something else here. Maybe maybe there are filmmakers out there or choreographers out there, or I think a lot of that re- repetition that we're seeing is is the influence of studios trying to play it safe. All of a sudden, like hey, this worked. Let's just replicate this. I would just say it's very important to uh, to focus to look at the careers specifically of Sammo Hung, but that crew of what they did in the 80s into the 90s and how Sammo Hung didn't repeat what he did at any point. There's, you can see uh, growth and you can also see how he and Jackie Chan and others sought out professional fighters to join and then how he would adapt his style to complement what they can do and to further further the the cinema the, the story that they're telling through choreography and cinematography. I mean uh and and you can yeah you, you can just watch their careers and see that they're not in not in the business of repetition. And when repetition did start to happen, that's when interest started to, you know, excitement started to die out a little bit. And you can definitely see that in in any form of action action the action history. You know, yeah. When there when there's too much repetition and not enough uh, not enough exploration, the the heart goes away.
0: And I think that's a brilliant analysis. And I think that's kind of one of the issues you may even have with a lot of the C-LOT based films is the fact that when all the practitioners are C-LOT because C-LOT has a lot of uh, wonderful you know kind of pre choreographed training sequences and stuff. So when you have just all C-LOT guys fighting all C-LOT guys, it becomes a little repetitive, right? Whereas you you brought up how Samo, you know, brought in the other fighters, the kickboxing champions of diverse backgrounds, you know, Benny the Jet, our coach, Peter Sugarfoot Cunningham, uh, martial arts champions who weren't necessarily kickboxers like Keith Vitale, who is, mm-hmm. you know, body champion, Cynthia Rothrock a forms and weapons champion. Uh, and it was that great contrast and always brought something new uh, and unique. Uh, it's sort of like how our our friend of the show, Sifu Alex, you know, it would be like at his too many, he always talks about how too many Wing Chun schools only train with other Wing Chun people. And they train to fight other Wing Chun people. When in actuality, if you're going to be fighting on the street, odds are you're not fighting another Wing Chun person. You should be training how to fight you know, a boxer or a wrestler or a kickboxer. And it's that same concept. It's like, ah, yeah, let's, let's bring in, uh, new fresh elements to improve ourselves as filmmakers, or bring in other fighters to improve ourselves as a fighter. You know, it'd be like if I only trained with the guys in our gym, you know, mm-hmm. the same two or three guys, you know, it would it wouldn't make any sense. I wouldn't get any better. Uh, and so I'm I am excited, obviously. Once film production gets back up and running everywhere for for smaller films, obviously, big budget films have been back. God, even it seems like the beginning of summer, like some attempted to yeah. start. I'm excited to see where they go from here, both Eric Mati, uh, cause they left it. Oh, op- very open ended. I very I open the exact ending, but man, it ends on like a, okay, what's going to happen now. But, and once again, very similar to how the raid ended, you know, it easily could have a sequel or it could easily be a standalone film. So maybe I don't want a sequel. Uh, but I would love to see Brandon Vera get the chance to headline a vehicle like this again, yes. maybe even a prequel about his character would be cool. Uh, just because he was just so good and natural on screen. You know, he really doesn't have a whole lot of dialogue, but the acting he did without speaking uh, was awesome. I honestly don't know the level of fluency of his Tagalog, so maybe uh, that's part of it, Uh, but either which way, you know, even in Maria, for example, there's a lot of English spoken and English is spoken heavily throughout the Philippines. So I don't think that uh, would be too detrimental in him starring in another film, but uh, go ahead.
1: Okay, I'm sorry to cut you off there. But at one point, you mentioned how Brendan Vera kind of like reminded you guys of uh, like a 1980s. Yeah. And I could see him sitting on the helicopter flying in uh, with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura to take on the Predator. Oh, oh I mean, yeah. he, he had that air about him when yeah. he was sitting in the van uh, talking about the the bottle cap, just the, the entire way through. He had he had this calm charisma about him. And there's just such authenticity and
0: believability about him. The best part is his outfit, because who else could look like a badass in like a thermal and cargo shorts? Like he's wearing like a long sleeve kind of thermal, right? And yeah. cargo shorts. And the whole time you're like, oh that's an interesting choice. Like because that was his undercover like probably, oh, this is what I'd wear out and about. Uh, yeah. So he still kicks ass in that and you're like, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. Uh, so, well, th- uh, any final thoughts? You know, if 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 anyone's
1: like me and hasn't seen this film up until about three days ago, or obviously I just saw it three days ago, but anyone's like me and hasn't seen this film, definitely get your hands on it. Uh, you're in for a really nice kinetic ride that isn't that isn't action first, as you said. It's the action drives the script. It's a script driven. It's a story driven movie, and I, I enjoyed it completely.
0: Yeah. And, uh, a few things, obviously keep watching because it gets more and more, uh, exciting. The action becomes more and more cinematic. So like, if you watch the, maybe the first sequence and you're like, Oh, this isn't really my style. Give it a shot. Finish the film. Hopefully you'll want to finish anyways, just because you're so captivated with how well done it is. Uh, yeah. cause this thing looks like a big budget film just with how well it's made. Like Eric Mati, you can tell is a real auteur in a sense, right? He is a filmmaker. Uh, yep. You know, it's I, it's yeah.
1: I I really liked how the how the film as they reveal as there's a new reveal of uh villain after villain after villain, so to speak. Right, it's it's sort of like uh one of those matryoshka dolls, right? Yeah. Like I <laughs> really liked Boss Biggie.
0: Yeah. Oh, he was and great. Was... Oh, no spoilers yeah, so... for viewers, but when you finally get to see Boss Biggie, he is not what you're expecting, and then he's even, and then he becomes even more what you're not expecting, but he was great.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It,
0: it, it's a great, nice reveal.
1: And like you said, it's not what you're expecting. kind of just goes you your, yeah, I was expecting one thing and then all of a sudden it goes in this angle. I'm like, Oh, I, I like where this is going. It's getting extra twisted here. My
0: second, uh, a piece of advice for people is watch this film at nighttime. Cause it's very dark. So like, if you're trying to watch it during the day and you get a lot of light in your apartment, it's, it's kind of, it, you don't get the full feel of it. So definitely watch it on a nice TV, like in a nice setting, like a, like a home theater type setup as best you can. And you'll really enjoy it. Sorry. I had okay. someone driving by. That's all right. Uh, a drive by or just driving by? Oh no. Driving
1: by with, yeah. with, uh, with the subwoofer going.
0: Okay. Okay. So, uh, for, uh, our next, uh, episode, and I like how we're going from country to country, so I've actually already made the executive decision. So, uh, last week we did American, we did Filipino, next week we are going to do Vietnam. Okay. And the film we're going to do is The Rebel. Now, have you, have you seen The Rebel? I've only seen sequences on YouTube. Okay, so, uh, it is, it is. It was from 2007. It stars the now well-established established actress Veronica Ngo. Uh, and the main star is Johnny Tree Nguyen. And mm. uh, the villain's played by Dustin Nguyen. No relation. Uh, Nguyen's a very common name in Vietnamese. Dustin Nguyen from 21 Jump Street. Uh, also for a minute. Brilliantly made. Uh, it's not available to stream anywhere, but the good news is you'll be getting it in the mail in about three or four days. So Sounds I already good. ordered it because I found it on Amazon prime brand new, the two disc special collectors edition that was released marked down by 15 bucks. So I bought myself awesome. a copy and then I was like, Oh, they still have, but yours might not get there till Wednesday. Mine arrived in literally 24 hours. So I think it's shipping from the Bay area. Okay. So if we have to postpone the episode by a day, we will, but that's okay. what we'll be doing next is the rebel oh, uh, I get it. expect that in the mail. And, uh, any final thoughts or something you want to go over?
1: Uh, no. And since we're doing Vietnam, I'm going to hit you next week with some rapid fire questions about movies that take place in Vietnam. Ooh, I'm probably going to do terrible because if they're Vietnam war films, I'm not a big war movie person. Well, it's not necessarily, I'm not going to do war movies. It's going to be a martial art movie. Okay, perfect. Then yeah. I am ready. Okay.
0: All right, good, sir. I will take see you care. Next week. Sounds good.